Welcome back to the Not Rich Yet podcast, where we have discussions on all things money, entrepreneurship, and leadership to help you uncover opportunities to build wealth in ways that are meaningful to you. I'm your host and your financially savvy big sister, Jasmine Sutherland. I love talking about how to make money, how to spend money, and how to use money to grow your wealth and achieve your goals. But one other thing I really love discussing is some of the mindset stuff around wealth building. I study money and consumer spending from a behavioral perspective and so much of money is mental and emotional. Financial and business success happens at the intersection of mindset and grind. And oftentimes we need to alter and expand the way we think about our money in order to build sustainable systems that let us reach those goals. For instance, there was a time in my life when I couldn't even fathom the idea that there are really people out here earning mid six-figure salaries. I couldn't even imagine myself making anywhere near six figures either because frankly, I never really knew anyone personally who earned six figures. But knowing the information has definitely shifted both my perspective on who is able to become wealthy and the strategies I'm using to build my own wealth. In expanding my perspective, I've also expanded the amount of opportunities that are available to me. So we're exploring some of that mindset work today. And that's kind of where today's guest comes in. Her name is Emily Ahrens, and she's a business alignment coach who's been featured on a ton of nationally acclaimed podcasts, including one of my favorite podcasts, So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi. So I'm really excited to have Emily on the show today. Emily helps entrepreneurs navigate their businesses using their intuition, and she also has expertise in quantum leaping and manifesting. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. There's a lot to dive into when it comes to the topic of manifesting, and we could honestly probably do a part two to this conversation. But in this discussion, we're just going to be going over some things that are a bit more top of mind when it comes to this topic. Like, is it possible to manifest money? Is there any science behind manifesting? And what practical things can we do to start manifesting today? Here's my conversation with Emily Ahrens. Emily, welcome to our show. Hey, thanks, Jasmine. It's so good to see you again and so happy to be here with all your listeners. Thank you so much. I feel like this episode is really going to be a treat. So to kick things off, I kind of want to start to talk a little bit about your backgrounds and Tell us how you got to where you are right now. Was spirituality sort of your entryway into entrepreneurship or was entrepreneurship your entryway into spirituality or was it just a little bit of both kind of happening simultaneously? Yeah, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that way. So um, that's a good question. So how did it all begin? Which came first, the chicken or the spiritual crystal? Um, so I would say, um, it's something that I think I've always sort of known. So like, I remember I found my, my kindergarten journal, you know, all these really pretty drawings and it's laminated on the front and the back. And inside of it, I did a drawing that I want to be a doctor when I grow up so I can help people. And so I always knew from a young age, I wanted to do something to be of service to help others. And health was, you know, kind of important to me. My uh, my dad was a physician and my mom at the time was a speech pathologist. So health was always kind of in the air. Um, But it wasn't until I was like probably about eight years old. Uh, my parents separated and later divorced. And we had a woman renting one of the rooms in our house who was a massage therapist. And that was the first exposure I really had as a young kid to alternative healing. But something in me was just like that, 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 that's what I want. That's what I want to do. And, um, and I was basically becoming obsessed ever since then. So I babysat and did odd jobs. I got, you know, small part-time jobs after school, um, becoming a teen, as I became a teenager and everything I earned, I really bought like 
weird stuff. Like I bought books on crystals and aromatherapy and homeopathy and naturally like all this natural stuff. But like I was a teenager. And so I think that I consider myself a little bit weird knowing that like my friends weren't really obsessed with that kind of stuff or like astrology, you know? And, um, and so at that age, when I knew that's what I wanted to start doing. And, you know, as a teenager, they started to groom you for college and beyond. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I also knew I didn't want to go to college right after high school. I wanted to study nat- like, you know, healing arts. And that's what I did. I graduated 18 years old. I started to, uh, I went to a, a, a school where I learned uh, hands-on healing, massage therapy, distance healing, energy work, um, crystals, and all kinds of stuff um, because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to have a business. And when I was at that early training, we did this visualization where we had to imagine our successful practice. And after the meditation visualization, we all opened our eyes and shared, and I was the last one to go. And everyone in front of me, uh, first of all, I was 18 years old. Everyone else was in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So I was very much like uh, younger. Um, but it was the first place I really felt like myself and felt at home and felt like these are my people. And that's coming from, I grew up in Northern California, moved 3000 miles away to Boston, Massachusetts, and never really felt like I belonged here. I was a little bit different. And so I kind of went in my shell. So at 18, I was like, oh, these are my people. I can like talk to them and I can be myself. And when we shared our story, my, everyone else was talking about their, their tapestries and their salt lamps and their table. And I'm like, um, I think I did this wrong. I saw my name in big bright lights. So I don't know. I think we should try again. And, and I think that that is just like my spirit's way of knowing that I was here to make a big impact. I wasn't here to be in this four wall brick and mortar space. I was here to, to really shine. And in later years, um, you know, I was 22 when I first started my business. So, you know, I went, um, I went to college after healing school and I thought I was doing everything backwards and I was behind all my friends were in college or starting to graduate and they were starting to come home. Some of them, and I was starting my business and I'm like, wow, I'm really behind. And I look back at now I'm 40 years old and I'm like, I was 22 years old when I started my first wellness center. Like what? And I was also a full-time college student. I was literally taking a full load of school every single semester, plus nights, plus uh, summer classes. And it's like, how in the world did I possibly convince myself that I was behind? So I would say they kind of came simultaneously. They kind of came together of, you know, you're entrepreneurial, you know, you want to go into spirituality and healing work. So like, here you go. And I will also say I come from a, like a a decent line of entrepreneurial people. Um, Both sides of my family had some entrepreneurial uh, folks in them, mostly my dad's side, um, but people who started their own businesses and, you know, that's kind of in my blood too. And it's very strong females. (laughs) So that's kind of the long answer to a short question. No, I love that. And I really love your point about, you know, just feeling like you were behind at that time. And I especially feel like when you're in your 20s, which I'm also still in my 20s right now, I feel like there's that time where you graduate college and you're just like, okay, I got to do something, right? Like I got to go back to grad school. I got to get a job. I got to do something to feel useful, to feel like uh, the last four years are like meaning something. And, you know, I've talked to so many people who are kind of on the other end of all that now where they've done so many things, they've had so many career experiences, they've taken the breaks where they needed to take the breaks. And they're just like, in the end, it doesn't, you know, matter. Like you kind of have to stop feeling like you are behind in some ways stop holding yourself to these beliefs that like this is where you should be 
at any given point. Totally. Totally. And in your twenties, it's like the worst of all of it. It's the college. What are you doing with your life? Who are you going to settle down with? Are you going to get married? Where are the children? Like all of that bullshit comes in your twenties. It's like, you're just, you should be just trying to figure yourself out. You've, you know, come out of high school and been indoctrinated into a specific format of education and who you're supposed to be. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be an independent thinker. Like you've been told me what to think for the last rest of my life. So like, how am I supposed to do this thing where I just figured out on my own? I don't know what to do. So we were never taught from a young age, how to feel into our natural gifts and abilities. We were not taught how to listen to what our natural instincts and interests are and to follow those. Those paths seem irresponsible because if you're doing it on your own as a hobby, gosh, you you definitely can't make money doing it. You can either, like these are beliefs, like you can either do what you love or get a real job and make money. And so we have this divide in our society also in our brain that says, well, if you follow your passions, you're also going to be broke. And for me at the time, I followed that and subscribed to that belief that I can follow my passions, do what I love and be broke. It wasn't until about six years ago where I decided I also didn't need to still be broke. And I began like exactly what you're doing right now is investing in yourself putting all this stuff together and then putting it out there in the world in a different way, I began to do the very same thing and go, wait a minute, I don't want to be broke anymore. And something has got to change. And I began praying and praying and praying and asking for a miracle and for something to shift. And I also had the idea that what got me to this point is going to keep me here. Because <laughs> all I know is what got me to here. I don't actually know how to get to there, to my big dream. So my logical mind was like, okay, so if everything that got you here made you broke, what if you stop doing all of those things and do other things instead? <laughs> and it's like, so obvious, like, oh, right. If we want something to change, we have to change something. And so that was like, boom, that catalyst to get me out of that funk and out of that cycle and out of that like programming and to start doing things differently. That's when I started to listen to my intuition, let my intuition guide me. Now I've been doing intuitive work for like 15 years, but not actually telling anybody I was intuitive, not actually teaching anybody how to do what I was doing and not actually applying it to my life and my business. So it was very much like a thing that's like out here, but it wasn't like fully embodied, fully integrated into my lifestyle and my work. And when I began to integrate it all, everything shifted. So it's like, when we go back in time of going, okay, well, we have, we've got to figure it all out. Well, why, why do we have to figure it all out at, as a teenager, when we haven't been told, we haven't been given that kind of responsibility before. Now we're given all this responsibility. And like you said, it's like, I've invested four years and how many God knows thousands of dollars into this education, I better do something with it or else, right? It was a waste of time. It was a waste of money, right? And we, I mean, I know a lot of people who have useless degrees. They went to school for four years, hundreds of thousands of dollars later. And they're like, yeah, I'm not in marine biology. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, well, I thought it was the right thing to do because I was 18 years old and I had to pick a path. That was the path I picked at 18. And it's just not where my heart is, or it's not what, what, what lights me up, or perhaps it's not what I settled in doing. And so, um, I don't know, you're obviously very talented as a podcaster and as an interviewer, and you have these, uh, various experiences and abilities. Like, what is it that I shouldn't be interviewing you, but <laughs> I know I'm just, I'm curious. Maybe your listeners are curious. What's been lighting you up lately? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that question so much. And a lot of it comes back to exactly what you just said, where when you want something differently, you have to be able to do things differently. That's kind of been a little bit of my mantra for 2022, right? Mm -hmm. I 
got into this mindset of, you know, really feeling like, well, I like where I'm at right now, but I also want these other things. I have all these other goals. I want to start to put myself out there more. I want to start to come into the world in a very different way than what I was previously used to, Mm. right? And I knew that in order to make that happen, I had to do things that I didn't do before, right? Podcasting is one of the ways in which I was seeking to come into the world in a different way, right? I have so many years of writing experience, right? Mm. That's years of sitting behind the computer, doing all the typing, doing all the behind the scenes research, all the interviews, you know, nobody ever hears those raw interview transcripts or raw interview files or anything like that. But I take bits of that, put them into my work and I put it online for people to read. That Mm -hmm. has been what I've done for the last like six years since I was in college, but I wanted to put my voice out there a little bit more. And to really champion more of a space for myself. Mm. And for me, podcasting was that way of doing it. However, podcasting is so different from sitting behind a computer and typing everything, right? Because like I said, nobody's hearing those raw transcripts. They're not hearing those interview recordings or anything like that. But with podcasting, you know, I'm sitting here asking these questions, having this discussion, knowing fully well that all of this is going to be listened to. People are going to hear my voice. They're going to hear your voice. They're going to hear my ums, my uhs, my stutters, my like awkward pauses, everything like that. And in a way, that's that's a little intimidating sometimes. And I've always been an introvert. I've always been that quiet person in class but you know having to rise to the challenge has definitely been something that's really made me feel like you said a little bit lit up right it's something that's different it's something that in my opinion I never would have thought about doing um, years ago when I was still in college, you know, and it has been a very exciting way to turn things on its head a little bit for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll be a catalyst for other things as well as you, because it breaks you out of your norm. It breaks you out of that Mm -hmm. mold. It's challenging. It's different. And, you know, you can you can be an introvert and be a podcast host. And I think it's almost like the best, you, the best thing for introverts because you're one-on-one with folks in your, like on your turf, in your own climate, like you get to kind of call the shots versus being thrown in some like big group of people. You're like, ah, and I'm kind of borderline introvert, extrovert. Um, I tend to be more extroverted, but, um, in, in groups, I get super shy and I'm like, how is it that I talk to thousands of people on the internet and I can't <laughs> introduce myself at this small party with five people? <laughs> like, it's just, it is. <laughs> For sure. And I suspect that in the work you do now, where you work with a lot of entrepreneurs, I suspect that you do a lot of work to help them kind of come out of their shells a little bit. So what kinds of services do you typically offer them? Um, So definitely, you're definitely dead on. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, primarily female entrepreneurs, although there's a few guys in there. Um, But there's a few different things that I offer. Um, I do some one-on-one work, not a lot, usually invitation only, or just if I have an opening here and there. Um, I have a membership where I lead guided energy healings, meditations every single month. Um, And I've been doing a lot of workshops recently, whether they're free workshops or low price workshops, um, so that you can understand your energy system, whether it's just your your chakras or how your um, energy alignment impacts your business growth. And so love teaching about that. And Um, finding your voice is directly related to your throat chakra. This is where we speak our truth, but also 
our throat chakra is about visibility. And so you think about a podcast, it's primarily throat chakra. You're speaking your voice, you're sharing your truth, and you're getting visible. You're putting your work out there in the world for people. Um, so, you know, definitely giving them practices for how they can uh, get visible um, in, in a multitude of ways. But I also, um, last year, 2022, I created a new certification where I teach people uh, my energy-based modality, but it has a profit guarantee. So it is disrupting this paradigm of broke healers and helping them to not only do this incredible energy work, but also how to create a profit in their business, how to how to monetize their transformational healing work, whether they're a coach or a healer. And um, that's something I've been very passionate about, you know, as far as teaching people how to grow their business and, you know, these beliefs that we have to disrupt to be able to do that. I absolutely love that. And one topic I am very excited to talk about today is manifestation. And that has so much to do with so many different kinds of beliefs. I know that manifestation isn't new. Um, it's been around, but I think that in the last couple of years, it probably has had some increased awareness by the people on like TikTok, for example, who are discovering these practices, sharing their experiences and things like that. And there are so many people out there who are excited by the idea of manifestation. It's like, wait, I can like create this whole dream life for myself. That's really cool. That sounds appealing. But then there are also people who are a little bit triggered by this idea of manifestation um, and who are not as excited about manifesting. So I would love to talk a little bit more about that. And also just to like kind of kick things off, I want to say my personal ideology around manifestation and what it is, is simply this narrative that you tell yourself about what is possible for you over the course of your life. That is my idea of what manifestation is. Um, so I'm curious to hear from you about what you would say manifesting is and how do, what does it entail? Thank you. Um, so basically about 20 years ago, when I started getting into more spirituality, watching the secret and learning about law of attraction through like Esther and Jerry Hicks, um, uh, I, I, I read a lot of books about manifestation and law of attraction and, um, you know, the one thing that I think is very consistent, no matter who the teacher is, is it is the concept of if you believe it and you think it, you can bring it into your reality, into your conscious field. Um, and so I think that that can be true, but I also believe that is a very privileged thought. Not everybody can do that because we have limitations. And so I think that there's, there's a, there's a couple of different things kind of at, at work there, but, um, the, the fact is that if you have a, a thought that looks like you're happily ever after, whatever that is, if it is a nice car or a nice house or a dream relationship or a dream job or a set amount of money in your bank account, whatever that is that you are wanting to manifest, meaning you don't have it now, but you're thinking the thought of it. The fact that you think the thought of it and have that dream and aspiration, it actually means it's been created in the quantum field. So if it's already been created in the quantum field, it's not a matter of how do I get to it, but how do I allow it to come to me faster? You know, if it's already there, someone already created, I created, apparently it's there. How do I get that thing here to me? And the thing about the quantum field is that it's the ever present now. It's not one day win, not five-year plan, not 10-year plan, whatever, someday, one day, it's right now. And so part of manifesting 
is getting into the body, getting into the feeling of how would I feel if I had that car relationship job, et cetera, et cetera, now. And so that's where a lot of these processes and experts who say I'm an expert law of attraction or manifestation coaches, whatever they call themselves. Um, <laughs> all you're doing is really simply getting into your body, into your nervous system, into your cells, into your energetic body, your blueprint, your body. When you can get into your body with the feeling of having it now, the more that you imagine it in your mind's eye, get every sense. If you can wire your sight, your smell, your touch, your feel, and get into that state of I've got it. It's mine. I'm excited. I feel joy. I feel abundant. I feel gratitude. I'm so happy and elated now that I have all this stuff. You're the more consistently you can do that, which most people can dream once and then like forget about it. And then their day is 99% consumed with, I don't have enough this and I don't have that. I'm a broke this and I don't have that. So the way that my spirit team simplified manifestation one day for me, was actually receiving a sound healing. And they basically showed me like a running river, a softly, gently running river. And every thought you have, it's like this teeny tiny pebble that goes bloop into the river. And because it's so little and light, the river just carries it off to manifest. So if every single one of your thoughts now, my, one of my best friends is more of like a brain-based person and knows exactly how many millions of thoughts you have, but just let's say a lot, you're having a lot of thoughts on any given day. So how many of them, we, that's where we have to check ourselves. Like how many of those thoughts are, I am infinite, I am wise, I am abundant, I am joyful, or how many of those thoughts are, I'm worried about this and I'm concerned about that and I have anxiety about this and I'm depressed about that. And so all of those little pebbles are going off to manifest, no judgment. So who controls the thoughts is me. I get to control my thoughts. And this is also where it can get tricky because there's this little fun term called spiritual bypassing with, in which you have bad shit happen to you and you go, I'm just going to think about happy thoughts. I'm going to move my intention and it's all going to be fine. I'm just so happy. And, I, and to me, that's basically like the equivalent of just like pushing all the dust under the rug and imagining that everything is clean and fine. Just don't look under the rug. Don't look in the drawer. <laughs> you know, everybody's got that drawer. That's like a hot mess. That's what it is. It's the junk drawer. We can't just shift our attention. We have to address it head on. So when our body is giving us feelings, we have to listen to them. Our body is like this network that's so advanced. So if we're looking to manifest something and we feel light and joy and abundant and happy, it was like, oh, that's so good. I'm in alignment with that. That feels great. When our body starts to feel closed, tight, tense, anxious, worried, depressed, that tightened feeling, instead of just looking at like the happy unicorns over there, we have to go inside. We have to get curious. What is the feeling trying to tell me that I haven't been listening to yet? And when we can listen and we can start to go, okay, well, where is that tightness in my body right now? And I was just telling you before we started recording, like I've been focusing on my health, my healing, my vitality, slowing down, not working as much. And that's because my body was starting to get tight and tense and I was feeling anxiety. And when I felt anxiety, I was feeling it like not just in my chest, but like lower chest. And I was like, what is this? What is going on? And it started to give me some answers. And I think that's a big action item for listeners that when you have body senses, whether it's your shoulder, your neck, your belly, whatever is screaming at you, giving you a sensation, listen to it because it's got a lot of information. And so in terms of like, how do we manifest? Cause that was kind of the question, like, what, what is all this manifesting thing? What is it about? Um, we can tune into how our body is responding and reacting to what we are trying to manifest. 
does it feel so big and so scary that's never going to happen? Where does that belief live in my body? Is there something I can do to shift and clear that belief or transmute it or work on my subconscious beliefs through hypnotherapy or tapping or, or meditation or some sort of energy clearing? Because if the root of your thought is, I'll never have that, it doesn't matter how badly you or, or it doesn't matter how nice your vision board is that you just cut out of magazines because the root of it, your subconscious is really the one that's going to project it into your reality. Your subconscious is the one that's going to go. So it is here. It is there. You are here. And now you got it, babe. And so we have to work on the subconscious level of our minds to make sure that there's not we're not self-sabotaging. We're not blocking ourselves because we actually don't believe it's true or it could happen. We think that's too big of a goal. So it's too scary. So I'm not going to do it. I'd rather not. Um, there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes to manifesting. I think that this, there's actually some really good books. Uh, one of my favorite books on manifesting is um, Happy Pocket Full of Money. That's a really fun book um, to talk about the energetics as well as the beliefs, as well as like, what do you do when you have the money? And um, it helps to bring you into the, the present now. And in between different parts of the text, it says, I am wealthy. I am joyful. I am abundant in between paragraphs because you're programming your subconscious to say these things. So um I think it's, 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 you know, we've had, we've all had these things we've, and also the other thing I will say, there are people who believe that you are, you can start manifesting something or not, you're not, by man. it's not an on off switch. That river is just always flowing. We're always manifesting, but we're manifesting usually the things that are the unconscious where we're like, I don't have enough and I'm not enough and I don't have enough and it's not enough. That's what we're manifesting. Look around you. It's a manifestation. Everything, your, your new apartment, right? It's a manifestation of what you've been wanting and wishing for. The problem is that we want and wish for things that we actually don't want more than what we do want. So um, we're always manifesting 100% of the time. So there's the way to kind of go, okay, well, I don't actually like what I see. And so you might be listening to this going, well, yeah, I don't actually like what I see. I don't like what I see when I look around me or when I look down or when I look at my bank, I don't like what I see. I manifest that, but you did everything. So when you take 100% responsibility for everything around you, all your thoughts you take responsibility for outside of you, your relationships, your beliefs, your stories, uh, your bank account, your business, whatever it is. If you took 100% responsibility for it and you knew it's all your fault, that's an opportunity. If you don't like it, do something about it. It's not somebody else's job to change your life or to change your mindset or to change your bank account. Your bank account is a reflection of who you used to be. You can change who you are today right now and decide I'm going to be an abundant person who likes to take themselves out for ice cream and roller skating done I'm doing that. Cause that's fun. So it's, it's, it's personal. Yeah. I love all of that. And first off, I'm going to link that book you mentioned in the show notes for anyone who's interested in diving more into that. But, um, when it comes to a lot of those signals, we were talking about before, right? Listening to those beliefs, listening to the feelings you're getting in your body. That kind of reminds me of, you know, what can happen when let's say you're an athlete, right? Or you're someone who's highly involved in sports and maybe you feel something's a little off, right? Um, this actually happened to me when I was in high school, I was on the track team and, you know, I did feel something a little off in my left knee, like something there, like was not quite right. It was a little tight. It was a little weird. And I was like, eh, it's fine. I'll just 
work through it, do some stretches that we normally do, you know, and I was a sprinter, so I have to be really fast, right? So I have to exert my body in a way that maybe some of the distance runners don't necessarily have to exert themselves in. So long story short, I ended up completely pulling a ligament in my knee because I didn't listen to, you know, that feeling of tightness in my knee before starting, you know, the whole, uh, the whole practice session, you know, but that's kind of what that makes me think of, right? When we're not listening to the signals our body is giving to us, it it's kind of like you're setting yourself up to have this massive injury that can actually put you on the sidelines longer term. Totally. And that's such a great analogy too, because our, our intuition is always speaking to us. And it doesn't have to be such a huge, significant, oh my gosh, like it was my knee and then it blew out. And like this. it's the little things that seem insignificant. Like when we're walking out the door and something in our head's like, might want to bring an umbrella. And you're like, uh, it is fully sunny out right now. I don't need an umbrella. And we talk ourselves out instead of just going, okay, sure thing lady inside my head. So the problem happens in hindsight, when we go, we're, we're getting to that party we were going to, or we're going to that place. And all of a sudden the clouds come and it downpours and we go, I knew I should have listened to that instinct. And so this is how I live my life. Now, every little stupid thing that shows up in my head that my inner dialogue, which I know to be my higher self, my intuition, every time I hear just a little whisper, like, you know, it could even be just like, wear the green top today. Okay. Like it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't necessarily have to mean anything. It doesn't necessarily have to then give you this big, oh, aha. But sometimes when you get that practice of just constantly listening to your intuition and that body feel of going, mm, maybe go left today instead of right, you just go, okay, and you do it. And what happens is over time, it's like you're building muscles. Speaking of track, it's like you're building muscles. And every time you say yes and you go ahead with that inner dialogue, you're getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So then, when the big things happen, you're going to be like, I know what to do here. You are going to have that instinct and it's going to be like fireworks. And, and it's like, we don't, I don't think anybody's ever said, you know what? I really regret listening to my gut instinct there. No one ever (laughs) has said that in all of history. I really regret listening to my intuition said nobody ever. So (laughs) that's why we have to begin practicing it. It's not as common. And I feel like, again, it's like with, we talk about education, it's like we weren't taught how to listen to our intuition. We were taught how to use our left brain. Our intuition is our right brain, but also in charge of creativity and our body. Like, hello, we think we're this like floating head up here of like, we don't, nothing's connected, but it's actually so intricately connected. So interconnected. It's not at all separate. So our thoughts become our reality. Sure. We can kind of wrap our head around that, but also, you know, when you're under stress, it imprints in our physiology, right? We know when people are under stress, people get sick, right? You get hypertension, you get all sorts of different ailments, but that's also our physiology is rooted in our energetic system as well. So that rainbow chakra person you see at yoga yeah, that those chakras are exactly precisely where our endocrine glands are. So it is, I mean, intricate, they're inseparable, which also has to do with our immunity. So if we're not paying attention to the signals in our body and our intuition, we're compromising our health and well-being. It has a bigger impact. Absolutely. I love that. Um, I didn't even think about, you know, that. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. I can literally picture it, but that like diagram of the person and like the different, like, 
chakra points and everything. Um, I can absolutely picture that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the language we use, which you provided a few examples earlier in the conversation, talking about things like I am abundant, I am joyful, um, versus some of the more uh, negative conversations we have with ourselves, like I don't have enough money, I'm always broke, et cetera, et cetera. How can we make sure that those positive affirmations we're telling ourselves are actually things we're genuinely feeling and not just something that we're like reading off of a paper, repeating to ourselves day in and day out, but not really like deriving authentic feeling from them. I love that question. And I think this is also why I never really gravitated towards just like pasting affirmations around. I know a lot of folks who are interested in affirmations, people who've asked me for affirmations, and it's like, well, it, it, it like an affirmation works for me when it has to do with something personal. Like I am a beacon of light. I am, a, you know, making an impact in, on other people's lives on millions. Of, like when I say that to me, it feels true. It feels accurate. It feels correct. If I say that to somebody else who is not aspirational or entrepreneurial has no ambition in that way. It's like, it's going to feel very awkward to say Mm -hmm. something like that. And so if you are not your most affluent self right now, and you're working towards creating more financial abundance, bringing in more money, you can say things that feel true or that are true is I am creating more abundance every single day. So make it true for you. And it doesn't have to be one day. It is today I'm more abundant than I was yesterday or the things that I'm, the, you know, and, and even like the other thing is that abundance and gratitude are like besties. And so the one thing that I know for, for sure is if you're not feeling very financially well off, start focusing on what you are grateful for. Cause a lot of times when we're not feeling great financially, we feel sad and sorry for ourselves. We feel worried. We feel depressed. We feel like we're not enough. We feel unworthy. Like all of these heavy, denser uh, thoughts. Well, that on the scale of consciousness is very low. Financial abundance is going to respond to you when you're in a higher frequency, a higher vibration. So gratitude goes, bing, it brings you right back up to a higher vibration. So maybe I don't have a billion dollars in the bank just yet. But that doesn't mean I can't be grateful for everything I have right now. And that gratitude for what you have right now can also be, I'm so grateful that these things are coming. So it doesn't matter. Like you want to word your affirmations and your language in a way that is helpful for you. And like I was actually, I hosted a call last week about chakras and this woman said, I am, and she filled in the blank and a couple of real negative thoughts and phrases at the end of I am. And I said, you know what? I go, we're not, we don't have time to go into this today, but I would be really cautious about using the term I am and what you say after that sentence, because I am is a whole sentence, by the way, when we say I am, and we just sit with that. And you let it kind of ring like um like a re- reverb of a bell, like that I am, I am, I am. When you think of I am, you think of whole, well, this is just me, maybe just whole, connected, one. I feel this embodiment, I am, in I am present, like that kind of sensation. And so when we have I am with this big statement and we throw in an, a word that is, got a negative connotation to it, whether it is, um, you know, sad, broke, depressed, lonely, single, whatever it is (laughs) that we don't really like. It's like a permanent statement. 
So I am, so it's like, I'm working on my abundance. I'm creating more abundance. I am becoming more abundant every single day. So it's like, how can I make it true for me for right now? Even if I'm not quite there, because then you can get that full body feeling. And when you have that full body feeling, again, I would start with gratitude. So at the very least, you can start with like here and now, like I am, you, you're in New Jersey. It's like, we had a cold we had a cold spell over the weekend. I bet you did too, right? Yep. I am grateful that I have heat, man. Oh man. <laughs> Woo. I am so grateful I have heat. I am grateful I have a house with walls that protect me from that chill. You know what? I woke up in the morning. I was like, I really hope the people who don't have homes have found shelter because they could have died. Like I immediately was like, oh my God, the poor people who just don't have a shelter right now, I really hope they found somewhere to go. So I feel that like, I get chills when I say like, I am so grateful. And it's like, we can take it for granted. Like, you know, you just got your new place. Like I never one day think I don't love my house. I moved 19 times in my life. This is the longest I have lived anywhere in my entire life. And I am so grateful for it. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful that I have warm food that I can serve to myself and keep my body nourished. I'm grateful that I have the privilege of nourishing food like that alone. There are so many people who don't have nourishing, healthy food. Do I have a personal chef? No. Not exactly right now. I'm my, my own personal chef one day, but that doesn't make me feel sad and worried and lonely and depressed because I don't have it yet. I know one day it will be different, but right now I can just be grateful for all I have and for all that's coming. I am also grateful for the clients who are already saying yes to me today and who will be saying yes to me in the future, who I get the privilege of working with. So it's like, it's casting a net from real close to spreading it out far. And one of the best things that you can do, especially with a gratitude practice with the hopes of manifesting, let's just keep it in the same container here, is starting with a memory. So I like to go to a memory that has impacted me, a place where I was impacted so deeply, profoundly that like from that moment, I changed. I became a better version of myself. Something there, maybe it was someone who helped me with something that they did, like it was a moment of change that happened to be really, really impactful for me. So starting from those memories and it's different for everybody. I know what it is for me. And when I think of that memory, it's like every cell, my body just like lights up. Mm. And from that place, then I begin to think of what else am I grateful for? Um, I started keeping a gratitude journal. I have right here, my desk open, been doing it every single day. And just, just one sentence because everybody has one little thing that they can be grateful for on any given day. And it doesn't mean that every single day has been rainbows and unicorns for me. I've had some real hard days. I've been sick. My kids have been sick. We've had some weird things in the business, like, but it doesn't stop me from finding something that I can be grateful for and focus my energy and attention on that. So then you can feel those things and then more goody things come, come to that. Like attracts light, like a magnet. Absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing about gratitude, which I know pretty much all of us have like felt this or done this at one point or another, but what's so interesting is, and, and, and it's great to talk about this seeing as it's still kind of the beginning of this year, but when we kind of take a look back at, you know, the previous year, for instance, I feel like it's so common for us to get hung up on the things we didn't do and the things we didn't accomplish and the things we said we would do, but like put off or like things got in the way. And it's so easy to just become very upset about those things. And we don't always keep those little wins, those little moments of positivity as top of mind we often forget about those things. And one thing I always tell people to do is, you know, create like a little like accomplishment jar for yourself, right? Throughout your year, as you go along, every time something happens to you that 
you're like, I can't believe this is happening. This is amazing. I've always wanted this. Or even if it's just something like this has been on my list for forever and I finally got to do it. Whatever it is, write it down on a slip of paper and put it in the jar. And at the end of the year, before you even start to have those thoughts of like, I didn't accomplish this, I didn't get to do that, look at your jar and look at all the things that you did accomplish, right? Because I feel like, number one, just going into the new year, nobody likes to start a new year with all this negativity and all this just like, you know, hurt, angry energy and thoughts for the things that could have been last year they could still be this year you know for sure for sure yeah so in I guess when it comes to uh you know taking some of those actions and thoughts sometimes it can feel a little bit intangible it can feel like kind of shadow work behind the scenes work that you're doing to eventually get to where you want to be how can we start to take those behind the scenes steps to produce a tangible result um well I think all of them I don't know if I would call them behind the scenes but everything everything starts with with you. So when you can begin taking responsibility for the world and the, the life that you create around you, things start to change. We naturally are inclined for better things, you know, so whatever we focus on is going to improve, whether you're focusing on your closet and going, well, that is a cluttered mess, or you're going, I can see where things are and it's a nice wardrobe and I love my stuff, right? You know, whether you're focusing on that or yourself, whatever it is, it's going to get better. So it's, it's just the natural way things work. So you can notice your attention. Where's all my attention going? Is my attention going towards complaining or is my attention going towards improving? And I think the simplest way to do it is I, I actually say this to my kids. I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. And I say, are you adding to the problem or are you adding to the solution? So I think we can ask ourselves that in most, most situations um, and notice where we're falling behind. You know, sometimes we complain about stuff we don't even realize we're complaining about because we're so used to complaining about it. Mm. Well, change something, do something about it. No one's the boss of you do something about it. So, um, I think that as much as we can say it's behind the scenes, it's like, everything starts with me. When you wake up each day, you are making multiple decisions, hundreds of decisions. You're deciding to get out of bed. When you get out of bed, you're deciding when to sleep in, you're deciding when to exercise, you're deciding when to hydrate, you're deciding when to take your supplements, you're deciding, you know, whether to go outside, you're deciding uh, what Instagram feeds that you're going to watch. You're deciding what TikTok videos you're watching. You're deciding. So if these are all these decisions that you're making without even consciously realizing, start to filter through, like, I want to live my best life ever. I'm only going to put things in my environment that support that. So that means getting rid of toxic products, people, behaviors, words, like, declutter that shit and focus on what is the life that I want to create and how can I consciously create that right now? We think of ourselves as these like individuals, but we're also part of this system. So if you think of like a plant and the root systems, they communicate through their roots and they know like, it's so crazy. Plants know through their roots, where is it the best place to drop their seeds so that they can create more of themselves? Like it's the smartest, most intricate system. We can be smart and intricate as well, but we need to have the right environment. We cannot thrive. If, if you have a, a little pot that's tiny and you're root bound, you can't grow beyond it. You need to transplant yourself into an environment where there's limitless possibilities, where you can spread out, where you can 
educate yourself, learn from other people, network, try some, be around people who believe in big things. We can't grow into this greatness if the people we surround ourselves with think small. That is so well said. I honestly, I feel like I could talk about just that. And in addition to that, like also from the psychological aspect of confirmation bias too, I feel like I could talk about that for hours truly um, because it just like, it just kills a part of my soul every time I like see stuff like this happening where, you know, it's, People just do not realize how their environment can have such a huge impact on, you know, the choices they make, but also what they believe is possible for them. But because this is a money podcast, I feel like I have to ask, is it possible to manifest money and not just, you know, money in general, but a specific amount of money? Is that possible? Uh, What are some of the things to know about manifestations when it comes to calling more money into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's possible. I mean, you pay the rent, you pay your mortgage, you pay your car payment, (laughs) you buy dinner, you've manifested money. It's a simple, like that, like we can't overcomplicate it and make it into this thing. And it's not, of course you can manifest money. What is money? Money's energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed, just changes forms. Mm -hmm. This was money before it was a glass mason jar filled with water. I exchanged money to buy this and now I fill it and use it every day. (laughs) Money just changes forms. It's energy, right? So of course it can be manifested. Of course it can be as much or as little as you want. The problem with manifesting money is usually we have our goals set on like what we think we deserve, which is this tiny little mousy portion of a pie. We think, well, I just want to take this little sliver because I don't want to take it all because then everybody else can't have any, but that's not true. Money's infinite. There's enough to go around for all of us. So because I ask for a million dollars doesn't mean I'm taking a million dollars away from you or somebody else who wanted a million too. It's not a pie. It's infinite. So we can ask for whatever we want. Doesn't mean we can manifest it immediately, but it means that it is there for us. It's created in the quantum field. If we had the thought, I want a million dollars, it's already out there in the quantum field. So who do I need to be? What kind of person creates a million dollars? And how can I become that person right now? And everything I do, way I speak, way I am, who I am being, the being part is the most important. So how much do you wanna manifest? Name the number and called it in it's here for you so it's already created now what i do to be to be that person there's plenty of times where i say okay well like i'm investing in my business a few thousand dollars okay so how do i create the money to create to to buy that thing but most people don't think like that they think like well i only have this much i can't get that because i only have this much That's not how an entrepreneur thinks. An entrepreneur says, how do I create that money? We're magic. It's not a set salary. I can make as much money as I want. Also, fun fact to look at, why am I choosing not not to make that money? That's the one that people don't like to, to ask themselves. Why am I choosing not to make that money that I want? Because it's all a choice. We're making these choices, whether we think so, we think we are or we're not. So why am I conscious? Why would I be choosing not to make the money I'm desiring and sit with that, answer that question when I can't answer for everybody. So if I know that I would like to choose to make that money, how can I choose to create that money? Hmm. Again, this is also a massive privilege to be able to have that kind of a conversation. Not everybody has the privilege of being able to be entrepreneurial, being able to create money. But if we really want it bad enough, Remember that closet that was full of clothes? I could sell that stuff. Money is just energy. It changes forms. It was money and I bought a shirt and now I'm going to sell that shirt to get more money. It just changes forms. 
or I'm donating it. One of the fastest ways to manifest money is to declutter and donate, get rid of it, make literal space for it, make the space. We want more, but we don't have space for all the shit we already have. <laughs> so you want more, but you're complaining, but you don't have. Okay. It's you're sending mixed signals to the universe make a container for it. Like you said, a jar for all the things that you've done. How about a savings jar? Piggy bank, old school. Let's make a container for our wealth. But can, of course you can manifest money. You can manifest any, anything. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that so much. And I know we kind of went into a little bit about this when we were talking a little on affirmations, right? And you know, kind of coming up with affirmations that work for you and your situation. I know that there are so many different methods of manifesting, and I was hoping we could kind of get a brief overview of some of those. So we already chatted about affirmations, but what are some other methods you've seen that you feel, you know, people might start to explore a little for themselves? Other methods of manifesting? Yes. Um, Pinterest boards, vision boards. Those are different ways that you can start focusing on manifesting. Because what we do is we have a thought and it just stays in our thoughts. Bringing it into form, whether it's writing it down in a journal, making a cutout vision board, making a Pinterest board, just having that from your thoughts to a physical form is in piece in in part bringing it into manifest so people who journal people make vision boards people make pinterest boards somewhere that you can visually see it regularly also programs your subconscious mind to create it in your physical 3d reality in behavioral economics um we call that salience mm -hmm. so when sal i mean salience is essentially just being able to see and think about an object or a concept, you know, pretty like regularly. And there are so many places in which this shows up in our lives. Um, so I, I think that that idea of a vision board is excellent. <laughs> and yeah. when you think about it, it's also like on TikTok too. Um, I feel like TikTok is like a personal vision board for so many people with the algorithm. Like if they're always following these luxury girl aesthetic uh, TikTok accounts, then they're going to have that be more top of mind for them and for what they want to accomplish. Yeah. But also vision boards and writing it down is not doing anything you are not being right we talk about being so just because we visually see it on a board or we visually see it on TikTok, it's not going to change our reality unless we do something about it so you know if it's this luxury brand how do i feel luxurious what can i do mm -hmm. today right now to feel luxurious and sometimes it's taking a shower and using some rose spray and putting on like a really nice face cream putting on my favorite earrings, whatever it is, because if that's the feeling you're going for, you have to feel it today. Now do something, not just watch somebody else live the, the, their best life, but like, how do I live my best life? And some people may call it selfish and think of it as a negative. But when I'm living my best life, do you think that the people around me are going to feel like crap or going to feel awesome? They're probably going to feel awesome because if I feel really great, I'm going to want to do great things. I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to be a great friend. I'm going to be a great partner. I'm going to be a great mom. I'm going to be a great business person because I'm taking care of it and I cup is full. And so we have to prioritize ourselves, but we also... It, it can't just be a vision board and in your thoughts and just visualize it. It has like, how can I embody it, get the feeling, but like, what do I, what can I do about it? That is so well said and an excellent place to end. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for joining us today. I feel like this was an amazing conversation, highly energized and extremely inspirational too. So tell us where we can find you online. 
Thanks, Jasmine. It's been a really fun chat. Um, I love where these things kind of just flow fluently. Um, you can find me um, online, Emily Aaron's kind of everywhere. Uh, if you're on TikTok, I'm Emily Aaron's 11. Um, Instagram at Emily Aaron's, my website, and there's some really great workshops and classes that I've going on. So definitely, you know, explore the website and see sort of what's the latest and greatest and how I can, you know, be of service to you. And, um, you know, I just, I always like to say thank you to the listeners who've made it this far. Um, it means the world to me listening to the episodes all the way through. And I also would encourage you to leave Jasmine a five-star review, leave something nice for her on any listening platform so that you can continue to spread this love. Because as podcasters, we do this out of the love of our hearts and it makes us so happy. This is a free resource for you. And so if you gain something from this episode, um, it would be my wish that you could leave a review for Jasmine. Amazing. Thank you. If you've made it this far, I want to take the time to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. As a valuable listener, you definitely inspire and encourage me to keep creating high quality content that helps you reach your goals, which is why the best way to show me that you're getting a lot out of this episode and the show is to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. By doing so, you'll also help other people find this podcast so we can all grow together. The more, the merrier. Please also don't forget to follow along on social media. We are at NotRichYetPod pretty much everywhere. Plus, if you're following us on Instagram, you get to participate in fun, money, and business polls in our Instagram stories daily. I do all the researching, interviewing, recording, and hosting but this podcast couldn't happen without the help of our Not Rich Yet team. This show is produced by Ambiguous Podcast Solutions and edited by Will Tarashuk, the founder of Willie T Productions and the founder of Ambiguous Podcast Solutions. I'm your host, Jasmine Suknanen, and I'll catch you in the next episode.